Okay, so we are starting a new series this Father's Day. And we're going to be going through the book of Galatians. Uh, we had just ended the Following After Christ series, going through the book of Acts and all the different things that we've studied in there. And so now we're going through Galatians. I like Galatians. Um, and honestly, we were in the other series so much, I can't remember when the last time I did Galatians. I probably have done it in my 10 years here. Just can't remember now. So, um, But uh, so we're going to be going through that. So this is Life in Christ, Part 1, Foundation of Christianity. So um, one of the things that is so very, very important um, is to know the meaning of things that you actually say. And so the other day, uh, Jen and I were talking, and um, I have a common term, and I cannot, uh, cannot even remember where, where I, I know that I read it in a book, and I know that I got the definition from the context of my reading. Here's the problem. Based on the context of my reading, I got a certain definition of the word, and I never got the appropriate definition, but yet I was using the terminology all the time. Now, one of the things that I've constantly said, and you probably know this about me, and you probably, when I say it, you're going to probably get it, but one of the things that I, that I have stated or made um, uh, you know, um, the phrase is uh, pining away at something. And I've always, and contextually, I've always used it as working towards something. Um, so the other day, uh, Jen and I were talking. Um, I can't remember if it was on Saturday or not, or if it was on Friday, but it doesn't really matter. Jen and I were talking or whatever, and we were talking about different words. And she says, by the way, that reminds me. I'm like, uh-oh. You know, because every time it's like, by the way, this reminds me, is normally never a good thing. It's like, oh, let me bring this up. And I'm like, okay. So um, so she said, there is a phrase that you keep on using, and you keep on using it wrong. I'm like, and of course, my initial thought is, I don't know that I am wrong. <laughs> Famous last words, right? And... Um, and she says, you keep on using pining away. I'm like, yeah, it means to work. She's like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, yes, it does. No, it does. I will have to say that Google has saved our marriage multiple times. That's all I'm saying, okay? So it turns out pining away means to diminish or to make less than. I didn't, never knew that. I always thought it was working towards something, and so I was always using that as a phrase. So it's interesting... It's like, and, and do I ever, you know, doubt my wife? No. I know that when she says something and she says truth, but anytime that she's editing me, my initial, my initial reaction is to defend my, my viewpoint. I mean, it's just the way it is. I'm never right, but, you know, it's the way it is. Um, and, so, and so I looked it up. And so it's, it's really important to actually understand wording. And that was like, wow, okay, I'm going to have to edit that because I cannot tell you that I'm not going to accidentally actually try and use that same phrase because it's, a, it's something, it's a habitual, it's something that I've just used and, and, and so it's just there. But it is one of the things when we look at our foundation of Christianity, it's one of the things that, that 
can you relook at things that you have believed for so long as the foundation and then when the scriptures indicate or when what God is leading kind of disagrees with your beliefs, can you look at it and say, I've been wrong all this time and then make the change? So Galatians, as we're going through this, the background, Galatians was written by Paul. Uh, it was written almost exclusively to Gentile Christians. It's one of the, uh, one of the um, books that has been written that were pretty focused on exactly Gentile believers. Um, not to say that there were not Jewish believers in the mix of them. I'm just saying that it was very very um, poignant there to them or pointed to, the, to Gentile Christians. Um, and, but yet it does address issues rooted in Judaism because there was people who were bringing up things in Judaism that um, just had um, made, made issues there. So the title of it is Pros uh, Galatas, which means to the Galatians. The name Galatians was given to them by the Romans because they lived in Gaul. Galatia is right down here, over here. Gaul is over here. Gallia, Gallia is right in here, and that's Gaul. And so they moved from here and they went to Asia Minor. Um, this, by the way, is the last as big as Rome got picture. See these little lines right here all the way down? That's as big as Rome got at the very end. That's, as, that's the size of Rome. So it encompassed all this whole area right here. And um, so Galatia, they were a Celtic people. And I did a little bit of a, oh, so, and actually just to give you an idea, there is 48 Different, different areas that we know today. If you were to look at the list, the, the list of states or list of towns that are current. So Portugal, Spain, France, Belgium, I won't list them all. Um, the United Kingdom, Germany, Switzerland, Italy, Austria, the Ukraine, Albania. All these are different ones that were all within the realm of Rome at that time. Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Bosnia. And the beliefs and practices in Gaul, though, um, of what they were for that Celtic, uh, little is known about the religious beliefs. There's a little bit that is known based on what they have uncovered. Um, they believed in a life after death. For and, they, and the reason why they believe this is that uh, people were buried, uh, they were buried food, weapons, and ornaments with the dead. Uh, the Druids, the early Celtic priesthood, taught the doctrine of transmigration of souls and discussed the nature and power of the gods. The Irish believed in another other world, imagined sometimes as underground and sometimes as islands in the sea. Um, the land of the living, delightful plain, land of the young, some of those things. So all these things are rooted within that. And I won't go through all of it. I just wanted to have it as a reference for myself because I didn't want to 
make it three pages of, of reading. But the reason why this is important is because when you study a letter, okay, when you study a letter that is written to a certain group of individuals, it's kind of like going into another person's room that you do not know and reading their diary. You do not know who they are. You do not know what their parents are. You do not know what their beliefs are and everything else like that. We're reading a letter that was written to the Galatians. Their history, everything is affected. The fact that they believe in life after death, the fact that they do. Some people don't believe in life after death. Some people believe that you die and then that's it, you know? You know? Live, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die is a, is, is a phrase. And so when we, looked at, when we look at this, we have to understand that when Paul was ministering or sending this letter, he was very much having the mindset of who are these people and how to address this because Jesus came into the life. Now, there is a little bit of a thing that started happening because you might think, you know, and because, you know, there was things there is evidence. I do know that there are disagreements. I have actually um, talked with um, and uh, with a druid um, whose family line dates back to that that realm and who's Celtic. And there are debates over certain things. So, like the history books will state that there is evidence of human sacrifice. He would disagree with me on that one. So, like I would. I would point to history books and he would disagree with me on that one and we had a very interesting conversation. He was way taller than I am, so I'm not going to get into an argument. That's all I'm saying. A little scary. Anyway, he would never hear me. But anyway, um, very, very neat guy. But uh, when, we, when we're talking about this, there's things where when we deal with when we deal with human sacrifice, we can all pretty much agree that that does not uh, support a society. That is not something that, that a society should be doing. It just it should not be a part of that. Um, however, replacing one religion with another religion, that's where it becomes a problem. Because if you make Christianity about religion, then you ask which religion is right. And every single one that you ask, don't care which one you do, they all have their own reasons, their own stances of why they believe that. And why do they do this? One, reasoning makes logical sense to them. Everything makes logical sense. And two, time. What did I say about why my reasons for, for like when Jen said, you know, that's a, that, word, that word pining is different. Why did I have such an issue with that? Because I had literally had that my whole life. I had that whole thing, that definition for that one word my whole entire life. So I wasn't just going to give up on it a little bit. And I searched and searched and searched and searched. Turns out everybody was right and I was wrong. So, But it's one of those things. So why are they so fighting for what they believe? Well, because they have lived it. That's So when something... So when something smacks into that wall and says, um, by the way, what you believe is wrong, that's a, that's a, that's a fight. And so when you, and when you take one religion and you, and you pit it against another religion, you're basically taking in this battle. But see, the love and grace of God 
is the only one that can penetrate and lovingly walk that relationship through with them. It's the reason why Jesus Christ died on the cross. It's the reason why we don't follow a religion, but we follow a relationship with Jesus. It is the reason why things are so very, very important when we are, when we are following after God and when we're following after Christ. Because when we look to Christ, it's not about an opinion. It's not about my opinion versus another person's opinion. It's about God's opinion, and God's opinion is over mine. It's me submitting to the fact that God knows more than I do, and I'm going to follow after him. How do I follow after him? By finding the relationship with Jesus. Okay? So in Matthew 11.30, and I'm going I'm to kind of rewind a little bit, and I'm going to go up to verse Matthew 11:28, and I'm going to kind of read a little bit there. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, opinions and beliefs in what I feel to be true is very heavy because then I have a heavy weight that I need to make sure that I continue to either do or make sure other people understand what I'm doing. But Jesus says, I come and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't come to weight you down more. What he does is he brings a freedom and he says, follow after me. I'm going to show you some things. And each individual is going to have to deal with some things in your life. You have certain beliefs that you hold to be true. Well, God's going to lovingly walk you through that. It's not going to be about my opinion versus your opinion. It's not going to be about me trying to convince you to believe a certain way. It's about us together walking after God, following after Jesus, and learning from whom? From God in the relationship with Jesus. And that's the most amazing thing. Because you can literally be with people and the only thing that you need to have in common is that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. How are you saved? I am saved because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down, died on the cross, and rose again. And by his blood, I am cleansed from sin. And I'm following after. And so we get into the introduction in Galatians chapter 1 looking at verse 1 Paul an apostle not from men nor through man but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead very important distinction I'm not appointed by people I was called because God wants me to be doing this I am following after God because of this remember the Celts Remember what was going on, how their belief system. Very important distinction, right even here on the outset. Where is your authority coming from? My authority is coming from because of my relationship with God through Jesus. That's why I'm doing this. In verse 2, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pause. Ephesians 2.8. Keep your hand in Galatians. Go over to the right and go over to Ephesians 
in Ephesians 2.8, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Peace, flip back the opposite way, keeping your hand in Galatians, and go to Romans 5, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not, on, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. By simply saying, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, he was giving the very, very foundation for Christianity. By grace you have been saved. How do I get peace? Through Jesus. How do I get access to that? Through Jesus. But not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. He covered the whole basic gospel message just in his greeting with the definitions of those words. In verse four, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. So he gives this, he basically puts the gospel message right there in the very beginning. And then he goes on into verse six. And things kind of change a little bit. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Okay? So the gospel is the message of Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, being our Savior and how we have eternity with God through Jesus. That is the message of the gospel. So when we're talking about a different gospel, it's either going to be something completely different or it's going to be an in addition to, like you can do this, but you also need to do, and then fill in the blank. In verse seven, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. I'm not trying to convince you, but you need to understand that the message of the gospel comes from God, who is my authority, that comes from the Jesus that died on the cross for your sins, and do not add anything to that. Do not change that because everything needs to come through Jesus. The gospel of Christ is not so that it makes sense to a person's religion or belief or what is believed to be important. Religion puts a box around opinions and attributes it to a source. Jesus brings freedom and a relationship with God through the death of Christ that is based not in human reasoning, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is who helps us to pray. Romans 8, 26 to 30. 
Likewise, the Spirit also helps, uh, helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So when we look at our beliefs, we look at what religion and where our boxes are, you will find that God will continually, continually stretch those out and break open boxes so that we might actually be able to live with one another under the body of Christ. Because the way the body of Christ works is it's not based on what makes sense. It's based on what makes sense to God and how God actually leads us. Is that a little bit interesting? Yes, that's the reason why we have so many things. One, we have litmus tests. We have things that we, we, we monitor for such as if we have something out there that does not acknowledge the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he died on the cross, that he rose again, that we automatically know is an indication that this is, that this is not something we need to be following. God is the creator of heaven and earth. And so we have these little things that we need to pray for and do with, but it is one of those things where it's like my relationship with God through Jesus is my relationship. And as I walk, what is, what is our job as the body to encourage that in other people and also to keep our walk through our character is not based on reasoning, but heart being conformed by the relationship with Christ. And I'm going to end on this in John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Allowing God to be able to guide us in the way of how we follow and allowing our relationship to be built on. Notice what Paul is saying. I marvel at the fact that you were accepting of something else, of a different gospel, of something different that is going on. It's like, I marvel at that. Well, but the thing about it is, though, is that that's kind of, it's kind of a human thing to kind of reason things out, to, to think this sounds right. And it's like, but here's the thing. 
Does it follow after Christ? Does it follow after God? Does it agree with what God is actually doing in the Bible? Does it agree with what the Bible says? And then move on from there. And there's a lot of foundations. There's a lot of things out there that would never be out there if you use the word to actually do the comparison and use the relationship. Also not to mention, there's just so many things that we can actually really truly pray for and be with and do and minister by just having the simple gospel message but also standing for that simple gospel message and allowing God to be the one that actually teaches. Allow God to be the one to form. As he forms you, he can form others. As he changes you, he can change others. Abide in the vine. That is the encouragement. So we're going to be going through the book of Galatians and the foundation, and we're going to learn a little bit more about what, uh, what the Galatians were dealing with at that point in time and what was being applied over the next uh, several, probably months, knowing the way I do series. Um, and, but a lot of the things, a lot of the foundation... What is the true foundation of my relationship with God? And I'm going to tell you from my perspective and from what it is, my true foundation with, with God is through Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. That's my foundation. Anything else that I try to add to it, always just, it's sinking sand. But as long as I stand on Jesus as the Christ, my foundation, as long as I build my relationship upon there, I have something to stand upon. I can be confident in the love of Christ. I can be confident in the love of God. I can be confident in the grace that God has for myself. I can have confidence in the fact that grace, that God's grace is for everybody. And that entering into that grace of God is by acknowledging Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. And it's a very, very awesome thing. Is there a lot of opinions? Yes. Is there a lot of discussions? Yes. Am I a very opinionated person? Yes. I got Kayla with that one. I'm a very opinionated person. But here's the thing. And I know that probably not many of you have very many opinions, but we'll, we'll, we'll just like pretend, pretend that you are. And just understand that when we talk, when we discuss what is foundation and what is opinion, and then we can operate off of that. And Paul is bringing the Galatians back, even in his introduction. I know that it may be a little bit interesting, but in Paul's introduction, he gave the gospel message right there at the very beginning. And I think it's very cool of how he actually solidly, where does my grace come from? It comes from God through Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. That's where my grace comes from. Where does my salvation come from? It comes through Jesus. Where does, my, where does my change of my heart come from? My change of heart comes from God while I'm attached to the vine. Abide in me and I in you. For you can do nothing without him. So that was my little Father's Day learning the couple, couple days because and you say, well, I don't know about that being a Father's Day. I, I'm going to say it is a Father's Day message. You want to know why? Because I will tell you that if we didn't have incredible wives, there'd be no way that we'd actually be a father. And where I am today is because of the loving kindness of my wife dealing with all the stuff that she's had to dealt with, deal with with me, I'm just saying. <laughs> So happy Father's Day. 
I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful day. And I hope that the relationship with you, your families grow tighter. And I hope that your relationship with God grows tighter through Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for this time. I pray, Lord God, that you may be with all those that are out there, Lord God, that are listening to this. I pray, Lord God, that they may have a happy Father's Day. And I pray, Lord God, that you may be with them and their families today. And I pray, Lord God, that you may bless us as we go out. I pray, Lord God, that you may bring us back safely. And I thank you for everything that you're doing and who you are. And I pray, Lord God, and I thank you once again for the rain. Well, I know we already prayed for it, but I thank you for that, Lord God. It's just a huge blessing. I pray, Lord God, that you may just continue to bless the land. And Lord God, just be with the, the, the cattle out there, Lord God, and everything out there. I pray in your name and sheep and uh, everything out there, Lord God. I pray that we may just have a wonderful day today. In your name I pray, amen and amen.